My name is Bryce Hales. I'm the pastor here at Resurrection OC. It's so great uh, to have you all with us for Christmas Eve um, tonight. I wonder how you would answer or how you would finish this sentence. It's not Christmas until, how would you fill in the blank? Um, maybe it's not Christmas. I already heard it's not Christmas until Santa shows up. <laughs> That's what my kids are thinking. It's not Christmas really, Dad, until we get to open the presents. Uh, for some of us, it's not really Christmas until the lights are up and the tree is decorated and the, uh, the Christmas village is out uh, and it really feels like Christmas. Um, maybe it's not really Christmas until our whole family is here and we're all together, and that's when it really starts to feel like Christmas. In my family, we have a, a, a very um, special Christmas tradition, and that is the annual Hales family viewing of Chevy Chase in uh, Christmas Vacation. And um, you know, it's a very important part of the Christmas season for us. It's just not Christmas until Clark Griswold has gotten those 25,000 little twinkly lights turned on, you know. It's not Christmas until he gets those lights, uh, those lights turned on. I know that uh, we all have different holiday traditions, different ways we uh, celebrate Christmas and different things that, um, uh, you know, without which it's just not quite Christmas. But one of the ways that the Bible talks about Christmas is that Christmas is when the light comes. And so, if you would, would you stand with me as I read from John chapter 1. It's our practice at Resurrection OC to stand when God's word is being read. And as we do that tonight on Christmas Eve, we're aware of the fact that around the world tonight, there are probably over a billion Christians standing together as we read God's word and celebrate Christmas together. So let's listen to God's word in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is God's word. You may be seated, please. The light has come into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Christmas is about light, but in order to understand why Christmas is about light and why that's such great news, we've got to start by talking about the darkness. You know, Christmas, at least on the surface of it, is the, is the happiest time of the year, right? It's the hap-happiest time of the year. Um, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Are you, are you all happy? It's Christmas Eve. Are we happy? I mean, we're supposed to act like we're happy. All right, my kids are happy. And if you're not happy for Christmas, 
I sort of feel like it's my job to make you happy, so no pressure um, on me there. But the reason that light comes into the world is because the world is a dark place. Um, and for many of us, I think lurking just beneath the veneer of holiday cheer and uh, Christmas shopping and all of that is the ordinary stuff of life. Uh, and as soon as we think about that, we start to, start to just be aware of how, how true it is that the world is often a very dark place. Um, for some of us, for some of us, this is a, we've lost a loved one, maybe in the last year, and this is the first Christmas where there's going to be an empty seat at the table. And, um, uh, you know, uh, kind of hanging, a, hanging a, a shadow over the cheer and the festivity and Christmas dinner and, and all that's going into preparing for Christmas, there's the shadow of, of that empty seat at the table this year. Uh, for some of you, I know you've, you've moved this year, you, um, and maybe this is the first time when you're away from your family or you're away from home or, uh, or your kids are gone and they're away from home uh, and, and you miss them and, and you think, you know, how, how can it be Christmas if we're not all together? Um, for some of us, Christmas and the Christmas season just gives us kind of a week or two respite in the midst of the ordinary stuff of life, which is beautiful and a struggle all at the same time. And for some of us, this Christmas season is just kind of hitting pause on what we know is waiting for us in the new year. I know many of you, uh, many family, many people in our church are looking for new jobs in the new year. Um, and and that's, that's coming. Um, there's just the, uh, you know, the stuff that we know as soon as the, the holiday season begins to fade from memory that's there waiting for us. The world that we live in is a dark place. But the good news about Christmas is that the light shines most clearly in the midst of darkness. And that's why Christmas is such good news. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that you can know God. In the darkness, somebody has reached into the darkness and turned on a light. Uh, God has broken the silence of heaven. And in, in the uh, face of unanswered prayer and, and waiting and longing and wondering, does God, is God going to do anything about this? God has spoken. God has spoken and you can hear his voice. Christmas means that you can know God. In our world today, in the world we live in, it's common to hear people say something like, well, if... Um, I were God, I wouldn't do it that way. Or the God I believe in would never do something like that. Or um, I don't think that's what God is like. But the good news about Christmas is that we don't have to imagine what God is like. Because Christmas means that God has shown up. And we can know him. We don't just have to have vague ideas about him that we, that we kind of formulate uh, on our own. We don't just kind of wonder, well, maybe he's like this. We can actually know him, not just know about him. We can know him. There's a big difference, isn't there, between knowing about somebody and knowing them. Uh, we learned this in our family. It was a couple years ago. My wife and I have four kids. We have three boys, and one of my favorite things as my boys are getting you know, a little bit older now is I love asking them about what they think about girls. 
They, by the way, don't appreciate me asking them those questions. But a couple of years ago, I was, um, maybe a year ago, I was asking my, my boys, you know, about, about girls and do you have a girlfriend? And, and, uh, and one of them said, yeah, I have a girlfriend at school. And we said, what's her name? And he told us what her name was. And we said, what is she like? He said, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and he, we said, what does she like to do at recess? He said, I don't know. And I said, um, what do you talk to her about? He says, I don't know. <laughs> and I st started to put the pieces together. I said, have you actually talked to your girlfriend? He said, no. <laughs> I said, does she know that she's your girlfriend? He said, well, no. <laughs> It's a big difference between knowing somebody and just knowing about them. And Christmas means that you can know God, not just know things about him. We don't have to speculate about what he's like because he's spoken to us. Christmas means that you can actually know God, that he has skin, that he has a face, that he speaks, that you can talk to him, that you can hear his voice. Christmas means that you can actually know God. By the way, that's, that's why we're here as a church. About, uh, well, nine months or so ago, what, maybe 30 of us launched a new church. Um, and we've been meeting every week since March. And that's why we're here. Because we want you to know God. And it's amazing to look around the room tonight and see the faces of so many people who maybe for the first time or maybe uh, in a new way have come to know God in a deep, meaningful, experiential way in the last year. That's why our church is here. And so <laughs> it's such a privilege for me to be a part of that in some ways to get a front row seat to see people in this room walking with God, knowing him, not just knowing things about him, but knowing who he is and the difference it has made in your lives. And so if you're, if you're visiting, I just gotta make a plug. If you're, if you're here because a, a friend, a neighbor, a, you know, a family member invited you to church, I'm so glad you're here. And I just wanna invite you to come back in the new year. And we've got some exciting things coming uh, in the new year. We are gonna do a, um, a series that Jason and I have been planning. I'm so excited about it. We're gonna do this series called uh, What's Your Story? And the whole idea of this series is to, uh, is to help us understand as individuals that God created you as a unique person and he created you with certain gifts and certain weaknesses and that you are at your best when you understand who you are in light of who God is. Um, and your life will begin to thrive when your story begins to, to line up and intermesh with his story. So please join us for that. The light has come into the world Christmas means that you can actually know God. Well, how does that work? Uh, how do we actually know God? Well, John 1, I read a minute ago, says that you can know God because he has come down. You can know God because he has shown up. He has come to earth and he has made himself known. When John talks about Jesus... He says that Jesus has always existed. He was in the beginning. He was God. He is God. He created everything that exists, and everything that exists was created by him and for him and through him and in him. And we get this picture that Jesus is, is grand and majestic. And I start to think, he must be a long way away from me because I don't feel any of those things. 
uh, I feel very small. And if he is grand and glorious and majestic, he must be very distant from me. But then John says that this very Jesus, he became flesh. And he lived in our midst. We can know God because he has come down. You may have heard the story of Katie Genovese. Uh, in the 1960s, she was attacked on the streets of New York City. And this became sort of an infamous incident because uh, she was walking the, the streets of New York City. Uh, she was attacked. And um, as a, her attacker attacked her with a knife, she cried out for help. She began to scream. And she startled the attacker, and the attacker ran away. And her screams and cries for help awoke, awoke, uh, awakened people. Is that the right word? Awakened people. Uh, my wife will tell me later. Um, <laughs> nearby. And lights began to come on uh, in apartment windows. Police later interviewed 38 people who had witnessed her attack. And she lay there in the street, helpless, and nobody came down to help her. And the attacker came back and took her life. 38 people saw her, and yet nobody came down. Why would nobody leave their apartment to help this woman as she cried out for help? The answer is obvious, because to leave your apartment and come down to the street opens yourself up for attack. There's somebody down there, and he's going to hurt you too. And what the Bible says is that God did not remain safe, but he heard our cries of help in the darkness, and he has come down. That's the good news of Christmas, that God has become vulnerable. He's taken on flesh, it says. I think it's really interesting. It doesn't say that Jesus took on bones. I mean, of course, he took on bones, but bones are hard and solid. He took on flesh. Flesh is vulnerable. God took on flesh. God came down. And what that means for us is that there is nothing in life that you will ever face that he does not know, that he has not experienced. He has become vulnerable. Are you struggling in life? You know what? Jesus struggled too. The very first thing that happened to him, you know, after the pomp and circumstance of, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't even that, but that's how we make it out to be, the, the birth of Jesus and the, the wise men come and they bring their gifts and then he has to flee, and his family is on the run from the government. Talk about struggling. Um, you know, what about work? Does your work leave you worn out and exhausted? Well, Jesus, Jesus' life work led him to the cross. Um, are you struggling in your marriage? And Jesus' bride betrayed him over and over and over again even to this day. Have you ever felt rejected or abandoned by your friends? Jesus was rejected and abandoned by his friends. Have you ever felt like God doesn't answer your prayer? Jesus knows what that's like. God has become vulnerable. He has come down. It's unbelievable. That's, uh, what kind of God? What kind of God does that? It's it's almost impossible to fathom. You remember the song uh, Joan Osborne made famous in, in the 90s, What If God Were One of, what if God Was One of Us? Uh, I, I found out this week she didn't actually write that song. The song was written by a man named Eric Brazilian. A friend sent me a quote 
from him. He's talking about why he wrote that song. What if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus? I remember as a, I mean, I was in high school in the 90s when that song came out, and all these Christians going, I don't know, maybe she's really talking about Jesus. Um, the writer of that song said he wasn't thinking about Jesus at all. He said he was trying to imagine writing the song about how your life would change if the most unimaginable thing happened. You know, the thing that could never happen, if that actually happened. And he, he's, he said, you know, what if aliens came to Earth? Or what if you had a near-death experience? How would that change your life? But what he actually landed on was, what if God, what if God became one of us? How utterly unimaginable, that's the most unimaginable thing he could conceive of. And yet that's what happens at Christmas. God comes down, he becomes one of us. He speaks to us so we can know him know who he is. He becomes vulnerable. But he doesn't come, become vulnerable just to sympathize with us so that he can identify with us. He does that. But he comes not just to sympathize with us, but in order to save us. Jesus has come to save us. The king comes. God comes in the flesh. But that little baby born in a manger was born with a purpose. And he grows into a man and he lives a perfect life. And then he goes to the cross. And on the cross, he exchanges places with us. He takes what we deserve and we get what he deserves. Jesus takes our brokenness, our darkness, our sin, our shame, our guilt upon himself. And he gives us instead his perfection, his record. So, Jesus, so God looks at us because of Jesus. He looks at those of us who have put our trust in Jesus. And he sees not our sin, not our brokenness, not our shame, but he sees his child. He sees you as his child. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, I don't know how that hits you. But maybe it hits you a little bit like a three-year-old boy named Grayson Clamp. I saw a video of Grayson this week. For the first three years of his life, he lived in a silent world. He lived in a world where there was no sound because he didn't have the nerves in his brain that allows his brain to process noise. And uh, doctors developed a, a cochlear implant, but it's more advanced than that because he doesn't even have the nerve. And he was the first child to receive this procedure. And I saw a video of that little boy in the doctor's office. The moment they turned it on, and his dad helped him. And the doctor says, okay, I'm gonna turn it on now. And his father says, Grayson, daddy loves you. And that boy's face just lit up. I've never seen eyes that wide. Hearing the voice of his father for the first time. Maybe that's what will happen to you this Christmas. Maybe this Christmas, for the first time or for the thousandth time, in the silence and the darkness of the world that we live in, you hear the voice of your Father saying, I love you. Friends, that's what Christmas is all about. God has come down. He has made himself vulnerable so that you can know him, and so that you could hear his voice saying, I love you. Will you pray with me?
Father, what an incredible, incredible story, God. If it were even just a story, it would be mind-blowing. And yet the most incredible thing about Christmas is that it's true. That there was no length that you would not go to in order to come and find wayward children. And so, God, I pray that amidst the excitement of presence and family and, and everything else that's so wonderful, that we would know you because your son has come down and made you known to us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.